on his own. He scores! And New Zealand have won it. I don't think you can see that in any other code anywhere around the world. The cookie monster decapitated and carted off the field of play. Hello everyone and welcome back to Hit 2 of the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. We have put the Sydney 7s in the rear view mirror. The HSBC Sydney 7s were an enormous success for the second year straight. Sean Maloney in the chair alongside Sam Worthington. We've reduced the lineup today to just the uh, the twosome were though. You watched all the action from the weekend at home on the couch and in here in the bunker. What would you make of it all? Yeah, down to two. We've lost uh, Stephen Halls, I think, still recovering from a bit of uh, milk poisoning from the, the weekend. If you haven't seen that, uh, have a look on the, our website and, and check out his uh, his stitch up there, which wasn't too bad from Tiana. But yeah, I was uh, I was in the office, sort of watched uh, close to every game, really. So it was a, a blur of just all action, tries, big hits, um, just just a, a lot of great action. And not, uh, I guess it summed up what we love about Sevens, didn't it? That it just didn't go to script at all. Um, we had both finals were, were big surprises. Prizes, um, obviously US uh, and Canada in the women's final, and then South Africa and England um, in the men's final. I don't think too many people would have had had England either. So yeah, great crowds, uh, great atmosphere, and, um, and and some surprise results. So it's it's what we love about sevens. There was such a buzz out there all around the precinct, all around the SCG and the SFS. People just were ripping in. So many dress up, so many uh, great costumes, and there's a good vibe as well. Were though there was there's no. Yeah. There's no over-the-topness about it, if you know what I mean. It's just a really nice, mellow vibe, but everyone is just ripping and tearing the whole three days. What was your favourite costume from the, the whole three days? i tell you what, some of the Trumps I saw were particularly good. I saw some really good Trump. I mean, we're talking movie-quality Trump kind yeah. of outfits. Uh, some Brazilian dancers who had it going yeah, on. Yeah, Nick McArdle spotted, spotted those Baywatch skills. was popular this year again. Baywatch yeah. is always very popular. I saw a lot of... Uh, Good-looking guys and girls in the Baywatch setup. You can't miss. I mean, if you're going to throw your gears on, you can't miss. And 39 uh, degree heat on that Sunday that lends itself to um, some quite skimpy outfits, doesn't it? <laughs> with, with, with people sort of uh, getting the gears off a little bit on, yeah, on day yeah. three. And that's the key. That's the key to uh, surviving a sevens tournament as well. You've got to pace yourself throughout the day. It's tough. Three days makes it for the Mate, the, it's the people that were there all three. That's I a mean, good effort. Forget the players. Forget the players trying to um, get it done out in the middle. It's the fans I worry about most because it is long. I mean, it's a long day. If you're going to have a couple of drinks, it is. it can be really, really uh, exhausting. So Grueling, yeah. I've, grueling. I've been, I've been to a fair few Wellington Sevens myself, and it certainly wasn't in that heat. But um, yeah, Sydney looks like the, just that nice balance of people that are obviously having a party, having a few drinks, but it didn't seem like there was much trouble or no, any, no or any nasty I stuff. A, I had a chat to a couple of the policemen in and around the stadium on the Sunday afternoon after... Uh, everyone had kind of moved on a little bit and there, there was no, no dramas from what I'd heard yeah. either in around Paddington so that's uh, obviously a little bit of an improvement on last year where there was a couple of dramas a couple of hiccups here and there but as far as I know all good and as you said as you touched on at the start were though some upsets along the way in fact there were a number of upsets across the weekend from the men's and women's side even in the pool play there were a couple of um, curly ones that went in there and it was I've got to say it was it was tough to watch the Aussies go down in the women's draw against Canada Canada in the Cup semi-final Saturday afternoon because so much hinged on that win for the Aussie women. We 
talked about it last week, and it was one missed tackle just before halftime in the end. A scoreless second half, one missed tackle cost them a spot in the cup final. Yeah, they just weren't quite at the top of the game throughout the whole tournament, were they? Just the, 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 normally that slick passing, the, they're running into space, you know, balls out in front um, for, for the for the uh, teammates, but it just wasn't quite clicking. What it do didn't. You, what, do you, what do you put that down to? The, I know they've talked a bit about the distractions and the and the pressure, but uh, any any other theories as to why no, they just didn't quite click? just off they were just off you know that happens in any sport on uh, any particular weekend and that was the case for the Aussie girls like you say just the linking of passes couple found the grass when they normally be right out in front in the hands uh, missed tackles here and there which normally aren't conceded by the Aussies uh, it, w- it just wasn't their tournament and that, and that happens across the six leagues of the women's side of things on the men's side thought the Aussie men were particularly good they had a great build up didn't they they had Michael Checker involved I'm pretty mm. sure Michael Clark was involved as well Australian okay. cricket captain I think he may have even presented the jerseys I know that Checker did present to the side but they came out and came back after going down rather heavily against New Zealand in the opener beat Papua New Guinea beat Scotland, beat Wales in the Cup quarterfinal, and then were brave against the tournament leaders South Africa in their Cup semi before going down to New Zealand. So much improved from the Aussie men and a lot to like about how they got it done heading off to Vegas. Absolutely. I mean, there was no quite opposite to the to the woman who, um, you know, everyone was expecting and sort of demanding that they'd, they'd take out the title. Very little expectation on this men's side. And, and yeah, you're right to raise Michael Checker. A lot of the um, players afterwards uh, brought his name up, uh, you know, un- unprompted, saying that, that, that his messages obviously really uh, got home to the team about uh, just sort of playing without fear and just, just ripping in and having a real dig, and, and that's what they did. Um, a very unheralded uh, group uh, really, really caused some, some upsets, and, um, you know... The We're talking about a young team here, yeah. you know, a young oh, team. Crazy young, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like one, and one of those... Henry Hutchison was about, Henry the, Hutchison. about the senior man in the Tim, team at Tim the age Anstey, of 19. who was outstanding for the Aussies, he's yet to hit 20 as well, so... Three-minute hat-trick, how good was that? I know, a number of those guys are going to be figuring in the Aussie colours for years to come, and yeah, they need to be congratulated on a tournament well played, the Aussie men's. So that is that behind us, South Africa winning the men's draw, and it was Canada, the bronze medalist from Rio, winning the cup final here in Sydney. Now we can move on to 10s. Let's talk tens were though. We've got the whole the whole gangs up there in Brisbane at the moment. They're getting set. They're getting ready to go in what's going to be some fairly tough conditions across the weekend. Yeah, we just talked about Sydney, and it's more of the same uh, forecast for the the poor buggers that have to run around in the heat there in Brisbane. I think maybe not quite 39, but 36, 37 degrees um, forecast, and no, no doubt very, very humid as well. So I think most teams have taken some pretty big squads there. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how many you, you can actually play in, in a single game off the bench, but it's rolling subs. So yeah, I think uh, there'll be short, sharp bursts for a lot of the a lot of the teams, and it's going to be interesting just to see. It's new for everyone, isn't it? I mean, sevens is is more of a known commodity now. Everyone knows how that game works but tens um, everyone's you know a little bit in the, in the dark as to how to approach it so I'm sure some teams are taking it more seriously than others uh, I think the, the Australians have named some pretty strong squads the Kiwis not quite as much unfortunately but every team's got a, a couple of big guns um, Toulon a very strong squad um, so yeah I don't think teams have been training uh, specifically for tens too much um, but I, th- I get the feeling that uh, set piece wise the teams are going to take it quite seriously and, and, and a lot of senior forwards are uh, 
are competing in this tournament. So, yeah, I think teams will really take the set-piece stuff seriously and then uh, just, just throw it around off the back of that. And let's hope that for the likes of the Waratahs, they can get that ball in the hand of Lot Ball into the hands of Lottie oh. Kiri, who was dazzling in oh. the Classics game between the Classic Wallabies and Classic Fijians at the Sydney Sevens. How good were his hands? That's uh, yeah. I was just about to say, it's not not quite the same uh, fast barnstorming Lottie as we we're used to necessarily, but just the the skills. He sort of uh, went back deep into his uh, Fijian heritage, and he was turned into a bit of a ball player, didn't he? So it was uh, pretty neat to see that. And yeah, the sevens was just a little warm up for Lottie, and, and he's going to really unleash uh, on the big stage up there in, in Suncorp, I think. Uh, and it's great to see these guys. I mean, Stephen Larkham's going to be uh, fantastic to watch. Uh, apparently, he still plays a bit of uh, bit of club footy down in. Canberra um, from time to time and I've got no doubt that uh, being the competitive beast he is he'll be uh, he'll be right up for this and then Chris Latham as well I saw a story uh, today with the Tongan Thor Taniela Tupo said he, he ran into to Latham at training and um, really felt the impact so it seems that, like Latham's uh, in, in good nick as well so I, I think these old guys will be taking it pretty seriously. They sure will. They get, or they're going to have to, otherwise they're going to get touched <laughs> up by these young <laughs> guys who are going to want to put uh, a couple past them. And like you touched on, whether there are uh, all the guys in the house, they're all up in Brisbane at the moment. They're actually out doing some stuff with our man Stephen Hoyles. I saw yesterday that John O'Lance and Dane Halepetty went... The mind boggles. Well, they went to SeaWorld. Yeah. Pat Dolphins, the swimming dolphins. Beautiful. So they've been doing some bits and pieces up there. And Toulon as well, obviously in town, saw Drew Mitchell flying on in. It's going to be intriguing to see how some of these sides, particularly like Toulon, handle the heat of Brisbane. Yeah, um, it's it's brutal, all right. Um, Toulon, obviously, coming out of the the French winter, they, they've got a few uh, Pacific boys in their team. I'm I'm really uh, excited to see Tua Sova um, storming around there at Suncorp. He is just an absolute weapon. And uh, if I was the likes of Stephen Larkham, I'd be uh, standing on the opposite wing to that bloke. There's no doubt about that. So, yeah, the conditions will be a, a huge factor. I hope, what did they do to combat it in Sydney? They had uh, people going around with water guns and spraying <laughs> everyone in the, in the crowd, didn't they? They had the old fans on the sideline with the, the water that shot out of them. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like the water fan on yeah. for the guys on the bench. Beautiful. And, yeah, a lot of rehydration. So just speaking of the, some of the players in between games in Sydney and some of them lose between two and three kilos of yeah. fluid in 14 minutes so you, you you punch that out to 20 minutes 10 each way in the game of 10s and uh, you're going to have to get plenty of juice on board that's for sure yeah, I so saw actually, uh, speaking of Horsey, he interviewed Stephen Moore over the weekend who um, who was there in attendance watching the Sevens and he said that was actually the first Sevens tournament uh, he'd been to in person and he just couldn't believe the, the intensity and the, the tempo that these players had to uh, had to play at and it's just so taxing, isn't it? You see the you see the injuries um, that, that mount up over the weekend in the Sevens and no doubt there will be a bit of a casualty, casualty ward for the Tens as well so there'll be some pretty nervous uh, coaches and officials just uh, fingers crossed that people uh, make it through um, the weekend unscathed. We've already seen uh, Thomas Cabelli go down in a, a trial match for the Brumbies on the weekend, unfortunately, with a, quite a serious knee injury. So, yeah, no doubt there'll be a, a couple of bumps and bruises. Let's hope it's it's nothing more than that. But uh, it's, it's a great concept, isn't it? Because I think I think rugby's needed this as a bit of a centrepiece um, for the season because otherwise it just sort of 
drifts into the the opening game and it's there without without people really realizing. So I think they're, they're talking you mean about it drifts into Super Rugby without people noticing. Yeah, so this yeah. is just just as a good centerpiece for the the preseason. And we're ten days out, I think it'll be before the the first game between the Rebels and the Blues. Um, and and I think they're talking about thirty thousand odd uh, punters through the gates. So that's that's pretty damn impressive. And we're talking about also Super Rugby stars returning ahead of. Ahead of the season kicking off, uh, you know, I can't wait to see get around in his tens. I think actually, you know what? I'm going to call uh, this side as the team to get behind. Not get behind, but maybe if you're looking for a smoky, uh, I think the Force. They okay. are the reigning. They are the reigning World Club Tens champions. They, they, know, they know the game inside. They, out. they love their tens. Well, in they, they, they absolutely <laughs> love their tens. They, the old Force would have, you know, you'd have locked them away because that was what they did. They obviously play with a bit more uh, width now, and I'll certainly be looking to do that this year in Super Rugby. They got a good. They got a good mixture of guys in this yep. squad for this weekend. So, like I said, Dan Halepetti, John O'Lance is in there. Luke Morahan as well. Luke Morahan will be. He'll be good. ideal. Yeah. Oh man, Luke Morahan's going to be good. Yep. Intense to Tafu Plotter now. Matt Hodgson as well. So, this is a force team that's. You know, you you've got some players. You've got some names there, who can go well at the Brisbane Global Tens. It's a good shout. Yeah, some people might roll their eyes at the uh, you know the World Tens in Mauritius, that title, but uh, all these things do matter when you're a club trying to build up confidence, and they, they obviously took out the NRC as well, the Perth Spirit, and I, I I do agree with that. That's a good shout. They'll be taking this probably a bit more seriously than, than maybe some of the other bigger clubs, so I like that. Another one um, I'm really uh, keen to see is Digby Iwani run around for the, the Crusaders. I know uh, Reds fans will be a bit sad that he's not uh, not doing it in their jersey, but um, he'll be fantastic to watch. A lot of intrigue as to what, what sort of nick he's in um, and the Samoan uh, national rep side that they're sending out as well um, that's going to be fascinating um, not a huge amount of household names there it must be said but uh, yeah no, no doubt they'll be uh, playing with immense pride in, in their national colours and, and this format should suit them as well Who do you think finishes top of the Aussie sides who are turning out? The Brumbies and the Tars have named pretty strong squads. I think uh, the, the Tars really dusted up the uh, the Brumbies last week, uh, d- despite the Brumbies fielding quite a few Wallabies. So, yeah, I might... I mean, Israel Folau's there. He, he's going to be pretty handy, isn't he? So, yeah, maybe maybe the Tars. It seems like they're tracking pretty well in the preseason. Tars, you, tars are your side. And who are you Go picking the out as the, their opposite for the big one? Whew. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah, Tim Nenai Williams. He's an absolute. This we mentioned. Uh, we mentioned Morahan is is this you know ideally suited to this format. I think Tim Nenai Williams. Um, you couldn't really uh, come up with a better tens player than him. He's just electric. It's going to be great to see him back after a year away and uh, a similar type of player. Nehi Milner Scudder, of course, with the the Hurricanes after his dislocated shoulder. They they should really light it up there up in Suncorp. We're going to see them game one, were though, because twelve. PM Saturday, Feb 11, we'll see the Rebels taking on the Chiefs and then we cannon into it. There are 15 games on day one and then we've got around about the same again on day two. So it's it's the perfect way. It is the perfect way. Throw it on the box, relax into it. If you're in Brisbane, get out to the Suncorp Stadium. You have, you have a terrific time. And for people out there wondering how, how this is going to work, it's Basically just normal rugby rules from what I understand. All, all the set-piece stuff is the same. Obviously less uh, players in the scrum. So it should be pretty easy to, to follow. Um, and, and yeah, you just roll the subs on and off um, and, and go for it. So yeah, it's going to be fast and furious. I think some, some pools have only got, uh, they've got one less team. So there's some crossover games uh, in there as well. Um, and, and we've got the Bulls coming over from South Africa. We should mention them. I think uh, Andre Pollard's coming over. 
um, for them who, who was out all of last season. So there's just some, some terrific, uh, terrific players on, on show. And, uh, of course, we've got every single game uh, live and exclusive here on Fox. You'll be, who, who are you calling it with? Uh, this weekend we've got myself, Fred Clark, and then the, the usual suspects doing the expert commentary side of thing. Obviously, Hoyles will be calling as well up in Brizzy. Uh, we're right behind it, mate. We're, we're all guns blazing, as they say. Have you been uh, scrolling up on some of these names? What about the? How are you going with the Panasonic Wild Knights? The Japanese pronunciation is a specialty of mine. Yep. I can't wait. Barry Barnes, I've got nailed down. Barry Barnes, some of his, <laughs> some of his it's, teammates. I, I do hope I pronounce that correctly. Are going to be uh, going to be a touch trickier, but no, it'll be it'll be uh, easy as, and I just can't wait to have some of these Super Rugby players out on the field in front of us again. Because I mean, you got to keep in mind as well, though, from a Super Rugby perspective. Uh, if they didn't play NRC or Test Rugby, we haven't seen them in nearly seven months. Yeah, yeah, quite right. And uh, what do you think about the the viability of this tournament? Drew Mitchell came out in an article I, I read today saying, look, he's he's stoked to be here. He's happy to be here. He hasn't played much footy lately, so he's keen to get out there. But he he didn't think it was going to be sustainable long term just because the calendar's too busy. There's too much rugby, so he had some doubts about whether it would be uh, long-term sustainable. What do you, there's also been talk about this tournament might go over to Auckland um, and then the Nines comes to, to Brisbane in a bit of a, a swapsy. But, yeah, what do you sort of make of the where it sits in the landscape? Well, any time you can get rugby on the box or in the stadiums around Australia, I think, is a win. And I'm, I hope it I hope it continues to tick on and flourish. You know, you never know how these things go. You won. He's hoping. I hope that it uh, is a success and I hope there's plenty of eyeballs on it and everyone has a good time because, like you said, mate, it is the ideal lead-in to Super Rugby. You mentioned the force there is a bit of a smoky. Who would you be tipping to to contest the final on the Sunday evening? I'm going to go the force. Yep. I'm going to go the force in the mix. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to check the crossovers of some of the other sides, but I think... The Hurricanes will be tough to turn. We saw them last year through Super Rugby. They can play title. They can open up. Geordie Barrett, he's another one to watch for people out there. Bowden's younger brother who's um, you know, tipped, up. tipped to go almost uh, as far in the game. So, yeah, he, he should be great. Nahim Yep, absolutely. So uh, Corey Jane. Corey Jane's coming over, the old elder statesman. He's a lot of fun. Hopefully we can get uh, nab him from an interview because he's uh, he's gold for a, a journalist. Comes up with all sorts of wacky stuff. So um, he's a beaut. Yeah. So and the, yeah, the coaches. I know that some of the coaches might see this as a, a little bit of a chore to do, but no doubt we're going to see players we've never heard of that the coaches might not have even known about. You know, rise to the stage and and, and start lighting it up. So I've got no doubt that uh, this tournament can see players who might be on the fringe of their Super Rugby squads really force themselves uh, onto the bench or into the starting lineup for, for round one. Rebels Blues. Yeah, no, it's going to be a terrific weekend. So all that kicking off 12pm on Saturday. I think we're going to be on air for around about 11.30am. So we'll ease you into it, showcase some of the sides and some of the stuff I've been up to in Brisbane over the last week, getting set for the first ever Brisbane Global 10s. That is the high of it. Sydney 7s is the high of it from the week gone. The low of it, undoubtedly the tragic passing of a man who was so brave right up until the very last. Azusa Fundavesheisen, the Springbok legend tragically passing away from motor neuron disease and were though, I guess, the mark of the man is the outpouring of grief from around the rugby world, the sporting world, in fact, this week.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, sometimes people are guilty of throwing, you know, words like great and legend around, you know, icon. But there's no doubt that that Eust, um genuinely deserves those those tags. And and he was just, you know, you'd, you'd follow him on Twitter, and he was, uh, you know, he obviously was in. in pretty bad shape with this horrible disease the last couple of years but he was just so so positive um you know throughout throughout his uh last years and i know that george gregan uh spoke to to christy doran um yesterday for a story and and him and Greggs and justin marshall had been over to to visit Eust uh, a couple of times and, and they you know just spoke about his you know positive mindset and and bravery with his, his family over there so yeah i was watching some clips of him yesterday as well and i think he scored 35 test tries which and no other test half scored more than 20 so just he, he genuinely did change the face of the game he was a big guy I think six foot two which is big for a halfback um, and really really fast as well watching some of those highlights he was just skinning you know opposition fullbacks and just had an incredible uh, nose for the try line and uh, for, for people that haven't seen it as well uh, it's up on the, the Fox Sports website uh, from one of Jonah's documentaries uh, back to South Africa a couple of years ago where Jonah went and, uh, and visited Eust uh, at his house and it's just yeah one of the more emotional uh, sort of sports clips you'll see when they, they spend some time together and, and the little kids, uh, just their eyes light up when they, they look at the photos of uh, their dad tackling Big Jonah back in the day. So, yep, um, he would be sorely uh, missed and um, he leaves behind an incredible legacy for, for not only halfbacks but just, you know, sportsmanship in general. It's been intriguing to see some of the stories that have followed since. I've noted that uh, Ian Payton, the Daily Telegraph Journal, put together a story around the Bulldogs chasing his signature yep. back in 1995. The Bulldogs Rugby League Club here in Sydney looking to get his services because they too were in total admiration for his his bravery on the field, the way he got up for the high ball, how how much of utility it was in terms of his skill set. So uh, a really, really sad moment this week. Those piercing eyes he had as well. I heard uh, a couple of people refer to those, this, those p- piercing blue eyes. And there was a story, a uh, great story actually, that was on the website from Kevin McCallum, a, a top South African journalist, about uh, used would look his opposition in the eye um, you know, at the national anthems. And if they looked away, he knew, knew he had them covered. And uh, he, he Graham Bishop, uh, the All Blacks opposite in that 95 World Cup final, uh, he reckoned he, he looked away and he, and he had his measure then. So he's yeah, just an, an incredibly competitive, uh, tough-minded sportsman, but also um, a pretty pretty special bloke by all accounts as well. Indeed, and a tragic loss for uh, for r- the rugby world, the sporting world, and obviously for his family and friends as well. So that will... Six Nations, touch on that. Bring us to briefly. the Six Nations were, though, and Wales smashing Italy, smashing Italy, France pushing England all the way, and Scotland putting... Yep down the Irish. That was a nice little upset. Yeah, I know that uh, over here, I guess, you know, the, the story was probably uh, for Australian audiences, Ben Teo and his match-winning uh, cameo there off the bench, scoring a try. And uh, I, I saw uh, today another story that's up on our website at the moment, quite bizarre. I don't know if you've seen it, Shawnee, but he reckons he's him and Johnny May, England teammate, are going to go to North Korea on a backpacking holiday in the off-season. I, I feel like he may have been taking the mickey somewhat, <laughs> but, he, he, but he reckons him and Johnny May have been uh, been sitting around the, the sheds and discussing how they're going to solve the world's problems. And, and top of the list is... Uh, is solving North Korea. They don't like what's going on there. Seriously? <laughs> oh, this is serious, yeah. No. I think he might have had a bit of tongue-in-cheek uh, when he was 
talking to the reporters, but uh, yeah, it's all it's all on the record. It's on there. So Ben Teo, watch the space. Uh, but at the moment, he's doing a very good job off the bench for uh, for Eddie Jones. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, so, yep, absolutely. And uh, and and Ireland getting knocked over by Scotland. Uh, I don't think many people tipped that. It was all everyone was expecting Ireland or England. Um, to, to contest the Six Nations and if, if it all had gone to script they're playing in the last round and most people thought that would be the, the Six Nations decider but the Scotland results uh, really throw in the, the cat amongst the pigeons uh, there at Murrayfield. Well even and, France playing quite well against England as yep. well so that one is well and truly wide open. Scotland have been building to that though haven't they? Like, well, they're, they're a real team now aren't they? Yeah we, we've seen them uh, really push uh, Australia and um, yeah, they've been steadily building so yeah maybe we should have seen this coming but uh, yeah realistically I mean, Ireland were just so fantastic last year as well. People would have assumed they would have rolled in there to, to Edinburgh and got the job done, but but no. So it's always good at the start of a tournament to have a surprise uh, result like that just to, just to create some intrigue. And shows you there ain't no lock in world rugby at the moment. Doesn't matter if it's 15s or 7s, there ain't no lock were, though. No locks. No locks. No, ain't, ain't no lock no of the locks. week. Certainly, certainly not in the 7s, not in 10s, not even in the, the Six Nations. No, and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Again, a reminder with the Brisbane Global 10s set to kick off 11.30am Fox Sports 5.02 is where you need to be to catch every minute of that tournament it is something new and I reckon you might just love it Wertho thank you so much for your company this afternoon and we will catch you again next week when we are all back in the house yourself Lindsay and Stephen Hoyles as well and thank you for your company and thank you to you as well with our voices in your ears for being alongside the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast for another week